Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Well, thank you so much for uh, hopping on TPQ20 with me today. I'm so excited to talk with you. Uh, we always like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. So if you were to kind of give that bio that is not going to be on your University of Akron winning uh, manuscript, uh, who would you say you are? I'm a mom. <laughs> <laughs> I am a mom, which is wonderful and a lot. Um yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think that's a really important part of my life. I also am someone who is always not quite where she's from, you know, mm. like constantly from somewhere else or returning to a place or, you know, um, and I, I don't mean that in a sad way. It's just a fact yeah. of my story. So. Hmm. Well, okay. Let's, let's start there then, because, you know, the to me, somehow that that seems to be maybe where the translator and you might sit as well. Mm. Um, so I, I've been talking to a, to a handful of translators over the last couple of months, and it's oh. been it's been amazing. Um, I I I think I, I got a, a little bit of a disservice uh, from my you know my creative writing uh, background, um, where I had college professors who would hand us translations, but I don't think we really talked about the actual, you know, idea of what a translation is and kind of, you know, where the two roads meet. Mm -hmm. um, so is, um, I guess, what comes first for you then was, were you, were you first translator or first, uh, uh, first poet and author? Um, that's so interesting. I think that, like, as a student in, in school, as a kid, I was often trying to, um, communicate or carry over things that were valuable to me that weren't available. So mm. the translation sort of work was built in. And um, it, like I, I wrote a, a thesis paper my senior year in, in college, you don't have to do that, but I chose to. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I translated my favorite novella from Arabic, Return to Haifa by Hassan Kenafani. And it, like, it didn't go anywhere. I didn't publish it, but it, it was like, I had a, I got a degree in comparative literature. Mm. And to me, the act of translating that text was like the intersection of everything I felt I had learned. So that's been in my mind for a long time. But, um, but I think like in terms of publishing, my poetry and my essay writing came first. Mm. And then maybe my most recent translation gig uh, was the <laughs> series in The Baffler, which like I'm completely obsessed with and in love with. I, I like that space is such a beautiful space and I want to find ways to inhabit it more and longer. Mm. So then for you then with translation, especially since, you know, I can tell, you know, podcast land obviously can't see, but you're definitely happy with what you're working on right now like I can see the trend like you really do love what you're looking what you're working on so yes. do you feel as if when you are translating it especially since it's something you are really enjoying um how how 
um, honest are you able to be to to the original piece? Uh, and how much of it are you kind of, you know, uh, some people have talked, Mira Rosenthal uh, said that that translations were kind of like cover songs um, and you kind of make them, you kind of take them and make them your own hmm. while still being true to the original, but sometimes they're a conversation. How do you, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a really interesting way of phrasing it. Um, I The thing that is really attractive to me about translations is I know going into it that it's an impossible task like you are not going to reproduce the thing right. that's just it, it, you know you can try and the best way to do that is be literal and that's just junk and no one would want that and so i can't imagine know, i can't imagine many languages really line up in a literal sense so no. <laughs> and they're not and supposed it, to <laughs> it, they're not supposed to because a language is a map of you know where people have been and who they are and how they eat and what music they listen to and everything that's happened to them and all the people that have colonized them and the people they've colonized and that's all in there and you you yes. just reduce that um so you already are entering into this like impossible situation where you know that you can't make the thing and so then it's these series of dances that you know you have with the text of like you know, how, how do I, what are you really about? And then what are you about to me in my ear? Um, and it's this precarity, right? Of, I, and when I, oh, go ahead. I don't want to stop you. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, it's this precarity of a lot of what happens for me when I'm translating is, well, who the hell am I? Like, what <laughs> I get, you know? And so then I have to like deal with that and, <laughs> and move through it um, to, to carry over as Lena, because that's really all you're doing is right. you're Lena's rendition. Someone else might meet the text in a very different way. Um, but to sort of carry over, you know, my experience with all my, you know, nuances and intricacies right. of text. And it just, I think that's super exciting and, and humbling and really, really hard. And I love that challenge. Do you ever find, going back to your, your metaphor of dancing, um, do you ever find it tricky to know who's leading and who's following um and is there a time where you kind of are there times where you kind of get lost in your own translation versus what you're translating yes to all of it I think <laughs> you just have to sort of let the text you know wash over you and and be in charge and you have to have that experience before you can come out and and then you sort of you get to be the author of the translation, but you have to surrender to the text. And um, I think that's my experience uh, fully in order to do a, a job that you can feel good about. And, it, you know, in the early sort of iterations of a translation, I think I have something and I'll, I have a policy of letting it sit and I'll come back and I'll be like, oh my God, are you serious? You know, <laughs> And I can <laughs> see that, like, you know, I was too smitten with it and I let mm. it, you know, I got too attached to a particular word or an image and I let that bewitch me at the expense of the text. So I have to go back. And so, you know, it's a relationship that you right. that you develop a really intimate relationship with a text. And I find that translating makes me want to consume like everything that a writer has offered because I'm wondering like, what is the world that informs this one poem? Um, in a way that oh, I don't, you know, in a way that maybe I might not if I was just reading something in its original language. Although, if you think about it, like that line of inquiry might be true for any work of art. Right. Do you 
do you work with many are you someone who works with more living writers or are you someone who works with a lot of uh, you know a lot of writers who have passed and bringing forth their work thus far i've only um worked with living writers so, yeah so with that then uh have you ever found yourself um in a situation where they didn't agree with your translation so far um you know, it's been a, a very friendly, warm negotiation. I haven't had any big, exciting blow-ups yet. We'll see. Maybe <laughs> I become more bold. <laughs> um, Ooh, so that that makes me feel think that maybe there have been some times where you would have liked to have said something and made some changes. Are there times where you don't think you were as bold as you should have been? No, no. I mean, I, you know, so far it's been a pretty safe and amicable relationship. Like I've chosen work that I love and the nice. people have been very amenable, but you know, may, maybe when I'm not a baby translator and I'm a grown up translator, <laughs> <laughs> there will be more wrestling. I don't know. Um, but you know, some people are, some people are very like it's so interesting how people are about their work some people are like it's yours do what you want with mm. it and that scares the bejesus out of me like what you don't have an opinion <laughs> it is that is a really interesting like that's that's a fascinating approach as i guess i, I can't really fathom uh, like the author who's saying just take i mean i guess an author is done with you know some authors are genuinely done with a piece once it's on paper and yeah. they want to hear your your take on it yeah, and they have varying degrees maybe of comfort or command of English. So mm. they, you know, if, if some of them are bilingual or have, you know, some degree of comfort with English, they might be like, no, I, I want some input or, you know, th there are all kinds of factors in the mix. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. There's a range. There's a range of experiences. Well, then, then let's slide over to your published pieces. So uh, first book comes out in 2016. So Arab and Newsland. Uh -huh. Um and you've got a brand new manuscript now in 2023 uh, coming out from University of Akron, which congratulations, such oh, a- Thank you. What a wonderful press and a wonderful group of people to work with. They are uh, a gift. If I may make a small correction, the yeah. one that's coming in 2023 is actually with Trio House Press, Ooh. who I adore. And cool. then there's another one in 2024, which is- the Ah, app. okay. Well, that- that gives us a little bit of an even longer span then. So from 2016 to, you know, the last poem you've written then for, uh, for something about living, mm -hmm. who are you as a poet? Mm -hmm. How have you, how have you changed from, from 2016 to now and kind of looking back, is it the trajectory that you thought you might have? Gosh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here for the little ones. Okay, I mean, fair. <laughs> um, who am I? Um, I think mm, one of the things I observe is that poets have, this is a very unoriginal thought, poets have obsessions and they circle them. And if you're really lucky in your life, you get to keep circling them and somebody wants to publish your, you know, repetitions and musings. Um, <laughs> so if someone's out there worrying that they're not, you know, super original with every book, like it's okay. <laughs> right. So the concern. Stru structuralism, I think says there were 22 parts to every storyline, I think was the, uh, like the original uh, version of the structuralism book. Oh yeah. It's, you know, I just, I think that the concerns of language and displacement and um, cultural erasure and, you know, 
where the narrative of being a Palestinian human being in the 21st century, how, how that is made legible to different readerships, all of that continues to inform my poems. I think those themes are, are pretty constant for me, but I, I, I hope that readers will find that, you know, different lenses and sort of different uh, different vantage points. Um, the book that's coming out in 2023 with Trio House is a little bit different in uh, stylistically. Uh, I did some of the work, like a, some of the poems that are in there are in a chapbook as well, Letters from the Interior. So okay. I have this obsession with the Miss Sahad character, the Arabic teacher. Mm. And so it's a collection of poems, but it has a little bit of a story arc, which is different okay. from my previous work. Um, is it, it a book, is it a, is it a like a novella in verse then or a, or is it just kind of each piece is a vignette about that keeps us with a storyline? I don't know that it's fully a novella, but I, I I think that readers might find that there's a kind of a through line to the Miss Sahad poems that there's a a story of a woman who's clearly Palestinian and a refugee, mm-hmm. and you get access to these um, inflection points in her life. Um, through these riffs on songs that are popular in the Arab world and through these letter poems, these epistles. And so, you know, um, that arc is different. I haven't done that in a book before. And it felt really important to me because I feel like, um, I feel like part of what I struggled with as I wrote this book was the feeling of like the uh, the the need to have permission to narrate and the need to mm. to really tell a story on my own terms and I didn't want to write fiction but I think that that concept of story is also loose um, you know story can sometimes be narrated poorly and inaccurately through news <laughs> right story is also just the life you live on a daily basis so I think the book contends with those structures. Um, you know, the structure of narrative and the structure of a house and when those things collapse and, you know, the implications of that. So that that was a little bit of a of a departure. Um, and the style is different than my previous book. Um, for something about living, it's, it's not like it's not that kind of a book. It's, you know, a series of poems that I hope people will feel are somehow related to one another. <laughs> um, but it, it is very much about kind of Palestinian in late empire. Okay. Um, and and how we see and how we are seen and and the disparities and the breakages and the way language can sometimes obfuscate as opposed mm. to clarify. Um, and it's very pointed, I think. I think it's really pointed at the empire of the moment that we find ourselves in. Well, it's it is interesting because I think you're you're right in saying, you know, each of your pieces then is kind of through the same lens, especially that newsworthy lens of what's going on. So it's different perspectives and a, you know, a a look back at least probably, I'm sure with a very, you know, six years later and these last six years have obviously been a very long six years. Um, So, you know, with, with, yeah. So, you know, looking back at a different perspective of everything after all of this time has, has gotta be really, interesting to stick with that same you know I like the idea that you use the, the word obsession um because I think that really is it, it's key and it, an obsession doesn't have to be a bad thing or a good thing it just it's it's something that is important enough to keep you focused 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. And for me as well, the the thing about the Masahad book, this Ken and her sister's book from Trio House is um, it was really important to me to foreground women and the storytelling and civilization salvaging role that women play in places where just existence is threatened. Like there is really powerful visceral work that our mothers and our grandmothers have been doing um, in, in what seems like small and, and domestic and quiet um, and not newsworthy ways. That is why we're able to exist and to call ourselves by our names. Mm. And I just never felt like there was a book that properly honored that and addressed that head on. And, you know, now I feel like, well, you know, who the hell am I? But like, I hope that this is a humble attempt to to do that and to foreground that. It, it feels important to me. I wanted the voices of those women from my childhood, um, teachers, aunts, you know, even just stories I read of women I haven't necessarily met. I, I wanted a place where that tapestry could be woven and presented. I love that. Is the one thing I think that I, that with poets who I've talked to from other countries, I think one question that I haven't asked much is, you know, when it comes to the world of literature, where, you know, is there room and a voice for where, uh, God, I don't even try to even figure out how to phrase the question, but I guess, um, do you feel, there we go. Do you feel that there are uh, loud enough voices from certain cultures um, where we can get those histories and where we can find, you know, do we, man, this is a, I, I, you, you got me on a, like, I'm trying to figure out a way to even phrase these, but like the, that idea that there are so many voices out there who go unheard because maybe in those countries, there aren't the outlets for them. So is, do you think that that is, is that a, a bigger problem than you know, is it a problem, I guess? Are we not hearing a lot of voices? Mm, I think we are not hearing a lot of voices, but my take on it is a little bit different in this case. Please, in yeah. In terms of Arab culture, my I'm writing in English, so I'm writing to an English-speaking or reading audience, not uniquely American, but certainly primarily American, just based on where I am right. and where I'm publishing. And and it's not my experience that there's something wrong with the culture or that the culture is absenting those women. It's that the women are made illegible in the English, there we go. in the empire, in the American narrative. Like the, it's just not interesting or it's erased uh, or it doesn't fit a story maybe that wants to be promoted. Um, and, and I think that that's really destructive and dehumanizing. And so oh, yeah. for me, um, you know, I, I don't feel any, I have not ever felt any inability to speak um, in my family or in my culture, in my homeland. What I have felt is a lack of interest or awareness or reception. And I'm trying mm -hmm. to kind of um, foreground the voices that I think are the richest and most relevant. Love that. Uh, and thank you for helping me with the rewording of my question because yeah. it would have been terrible. So no, it's, it, it, it's, it's always, I, I love the historical approach that so many poets right now are taking with, with culture and background. Um, and I, and I think it's really, really powerful and impactful and it's coming at a really important time in, you know, in our place and space where we have 
an opportunity to learn from so many more people. Mm -hmm. um, as we kind of move toward the end here, I always want to know who you're reading. Who are you excited about and who are you reading for fun right now? Um, fun. That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> when your time is not taken up by translating or your own work. Yes. Uh, who, who are you turning to? Um, so I just finished this magnificent book. It's right here on my desk, The Rupture Tense by Jenicia, I think is how you say her last name. Uh, just absolutely stunning, um, just architecturally stunning book of poems, beautiful, stirring poems. Um, so highly recommend. I think she's reading in Seattle tomorrow. So if I'm lucky. Oh, nice. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, who else? I um I'm obsessed with Elena Ferrante's work. I'm sure I'm one of millions of people. Um, and so I just finished a book of essays uh, called In the Margins. Oh, cool. It's about writing and translating and, you know, just her her brain fascinates me. I'm obsessed. Mm. That's another obsession. <laughs> um, trying to think. There's, I mean, behind me is it here. Can you see these? I know your, your bookshelves are, yeah. They so are, there's a lot. Quite full. <laughs> I'm anxious because I feel like I should shout out a lot of names and of course none of them are coming no I love it because you you give names that we haven't heard on you know when I I always love it because people people do kind of give the names that maybe we don't always hear about and I love that because it, for me especially it gives me somewhere to just head immediately so that's always exciting um and then so when is uh when is the trio house book uh coming out and because that's obviously the next the next thing we're going to be looking for Yes, thank you. The Tria House book, um, the official publication date is July 2023, but uh, fingers crossed, <laughs> maybe it will be at AWP Seattle in the spring. Nice. That'll be very, very fun. And then the Akron book, which like I haven't even had a minute to process how cool that is. So awesome. Um, it's just beyond amazing. And that's spring of 2024. Very cool. Well, well, I will sleep in two years, but not right, now. right. There you go. Well, congratulations <laughs> on all of this. What an amazing next, yeah, year and a half that you've got coming up. So, uh, well, well done to you. Um, and I really look forward to reading what comes next and sending more and more people your direction. I appreciate it so much. It was a pleasure to. Oh, speak. absolutely. Thank you. And uh, hopefully, I'll see you out at AWP. Yes, I'll see you there. Take care. Wonderful. Have a good one. Bye bye. bye, -bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.